You are listening to Proudly Resents. Oh, reason. I, I can't even hear you. Well. Hi, this is Sammy Wazell. Uh, Proudly Resents. The Cult Movie Podcast. The Adam Biggest Men Show. To all you Proudly Resents listeners out there, just remember, you can't touch on hospitality. I want I'm not a sports guy, which is great that we picked a sports film. Yes. <laughs> Sport, uh, Prowlers and Prowlersends.com. I am Adam Spiegel. We're joined by Paul Sullivan of SullyBaseball.com. How you doing? And Jeff Cesario of SullyBaseball.com. Sure, why not? Yeah, why not? <laughs> I, only, I only hire people who write on some of the great shows of all time to basically... Jeff has know. written some of the great shows of all time, yeah. including Larry Sanders. Larry Sanders and uh, Dennis Miller Live, yeah. which I consider one of the great shows of all time. That was a really funny show. Yeah. Anyway, Fish Save Pittsburgh is the movie that Jeff picked. <laughs> yes. Sports film. You're the reason I watched this film. <laughs> yes. You can find it on uh, the YouTubes. It's $1.99. <laughs> and it's $1.99 more than it should be. I, I'm not so sure about that. I'd give it, I'd, I'd drop her in the 129 range. I oh, yeah? Yeah, I wouldn't be upset about paying <laughs> 129 for the Fish that Save Pittsburgh. This is, you know you're in trouble when... Um, when Connie Hawkins is the best actor in it. <laughs> There's some big yeah, uh, sports stars in that. Huge. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not just height, because it's a basketball <laughs> film. Yeah. It's a basketball film, 1979. It's yep. about a basketball team that's the worst team ever. Yep. The Pittsburgh Pythons, who then decide to uh, use, a, through, a, through some weird kid character that I still... After many viewings, have no idea how he actually fits into the movie. Well, but a, at that point in time, you had to have a short black dude in everything. In, in everything. Yeah. This is a different time. And, With Bryce is here doing audio. Yeah. Very young. You weren't around, but there had to be yeah. a black kid on they, the. They don't have. Commercial. They don't have little black kids anymore. But back no. then, that was that was the glory days. <laughs> yeah, that was the glory days. days. If you were if you were four two in black and not working. You were just a failure. Yeah. <laughs> you were the worst agent. And this kid's name was was James Bond the Third. Who yeah. went on to direct? He's in school days, and he in went school on to days, direct. Yeah. He went on to direct Death by Temptation, right. which is a horror Death f- by Temptation. DEF. Let's see, it was the late eighties. Uh, right. A trauma film, a horror trauma film. Bill Nunn. This kid and uh, one of uh, Stocker Channing's first roles ever. Yeah. Uh, as as a uh, as a, seance, uh, a psychic, yeah, as a, a psychic. psychic. Well, they decide to get all Pisces athletes right. to build around the uh, Doctor J character, the Julius Irving character. So it's a full team of Pisces. That's their theory. Right. Which you don't even have to know the stars. Right. To know, well, that's an idiot move. They don't even. They tell you don't don't even marry someone in your own sign, <laughs> let alone build a whole team around it. But that's well, the premise the of the film. But at the same that time, is that, is, that is a better plan than the Knicks have had since the whole, since two thousand. I mean, think about all the different rebuilding the Knicks have done since then. If someone's like, screw it, let's do all Pisces. How could that be worse than trading for Marbury and all these guys? That's six hundred percent better than anything Isaiah Thomas has ever exactly. done. <laughs> You would think that someone would have suggested that. It would maybe maybe there was no little black kid coming up yeah. to Isaiah. That's the whole well, problem. It's a different time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Back then. So he talks to Dr. J's character, this little black kid, who's a water boy slash well, ball boy. He's a towel yes. boy. He's a towel boy. Is that what he is? A towel oh, wait, boy? I don't know. I guess in, so. In yeah, I couldn't even figure it out. I think he was. But they drive around. Uh, the, the big talk <laughs> happens in, in the world's most garish Rolls Royce. Driving around, the kid is driving around Pittsburgh, he, telling Dr. J the plan. Uh-huh. And, it's, and it's just bizarre because yeah. it's not like 
Pittsburgh, uh, you know, has a, a, a number of beautiful vistas that we can share. <laughs> from a Rolls Royce. They're just driving around Three Rivers Stadium yes. at this point. Huh? It's it right the same Taco Bell four times. Some old Alcoa plant. <laughs> and it, you know, it's just horrible. It's just great, though. I love it. I but love yeah, it. why Pittsburgh, you think? Why did they say we got to... Kids love... They go to the movies. They love basketball. They love Julius Irving. Yeah. They love different strokes. They, they love Jonathan Winters. Jonathan. Right. Who's in it? Yeah. Was, but why Pittsburgh? He's two roles. You know, I don't know why Pittsburgh. I, I mean, the, Pittsburgh was kind of... Pittsburgh had a sports cool at the time. It was at a, had a cool sports quality in the late seventies. They were they, yeah. the Steelers were the best team in football. Uh-huh. The, the the Pirates were the best team in baseball. With the terrible With, town, right? And exactly. The so the family, we are family. And there was no. Then they didn't have a basketball team. Well, they so had. They, didn't they have an ABA team? They did they have an ABA, but at that point, the, the leagues had already merged. They were gone. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm an idiot. I don't know how to use microphones here. But uh, He's screaming at a wall. It's brilliant. <laughs> He's talking no, no, to a It's lamp. like I'm at home screaming at the wall. The broadcast is brilliantly set up so we cannot make visual eye contact. <laughs> All right, here we go. All right, how's that? Hey, hey, move the mic. Here we go. Hey, so I move the mic. I think because there was no actual basketball team in Pittsburgh, they could kind of they could kind of fudge a history a little easier than right. if it was the fish that saved Boston. Well, they're the Celtics. Okay. Right, 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 right. And, so maybe, and yeah, and they wanted, I'm sure, a smaller market team to make it, you know, to put it over the believability hump. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think it's also because of the song, the theme song? Oh, hey, <laughs> have you heard about the, the fish that saves Pittsburgh? The fish that saves Pittsburgh. Hey, and nothing rhymes, nothing. <laughs> no. no yeah, it's it's stuck in my head. My it, grandfather played drums on that. Not many people knew that. Yeah. Well, that's yeah, not true. Yeah, I was going to say you're joking. But you're a brilliant liar. Yeah, you're fantastic. He's like, enough with the fish that saves Pittsburgh. Can we get another line over here? Uh, yeah, the, the song, the whole movie is... There's no conflict or anything. It's no. just it, we just told you the whole film. The, the yeah. kid says let's do Pisces. They do Pisces and they win. Yeah, yeah. And, and, an and here's long. how here's how uh, stereotypical it was. They they win. They win the whole thing. A guy's hired to do a book a, about the movie uh-huh. based on a slightly earlier draft of the movie. Right. And they lose. <laughs> It's like the guy didn't even see the movie. You know, they always novelize these movies, it was, even back then. And, and that's how stereotypical it was. In the movie, they win everything. And the guy who's writing the book from the movie goes, well, that's implausible. And they can't win. Let's lose the championship. Well, that was, but that's, I guess, what it was the original draft, kind of like Rocky. You know how Rocky loses at the end, but wins but in wins the start. Hearts, and yeah, I, yeah. did they shoot an ending here where they lost? And no one wants to see it. This isn't Rocky. It's the fish that saved freaking Pittsburgh. Well, they, they rewrote yeah. I can't imagine scenes. they shot two endings. To this <laughs> they barely shot one. <laughs> well, they did reshoot, according <laughs> to IMDb, one scene where the people had wheelchairs. And there was a whole wheelchair gag, I guess. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they had to reshoot that. So I, I don't know what they happened. Cut it, in the, but they it cut was it. still in the trailer. And it's in yeah. the Criterion Collection, too, of the. <laughs> wow. It's, it's 205 on, yeah. It costs $2.05 yeah. on YouTube. Leonard Maltin yeah. does well, the. You pay. There, yeah. it's, there's something, there was, there was a lot of great. And the guy who plays the, uh, uh, the evil player, Tucker. You know, the, who's the, trade me, trade me at the beginning was, uh, he was Jerry Chambers, who played in the ABA and he played in the NBA. Oh, well. great. They actually, the, the casting was play basketball first and then be yeah. able to act. Right. Which right. I actually think was smart because they, they had some, there was actually some good basketball interchange. And in Dr. J is not bad in it, first oh, of all. I mean, no. for his first film ever. He's pretty solid. Yeah, he's I, good. And, and actually, a couple of the other guys are pretty good, too. Uh, uh, 
and I think was Jack Kehoe yes. Yes. the white yeah. player. Yes, he was from the Sting. I'm, I'm watching, you know, like it's highlights great. of the movie yeah. again to refresh myself, and I see this white guy kind of hunched over. Yes, yeah, Jack Kehoe. It looks a little bit more like a butcher than a <laughs> basketball player. It looks like let me go get that side of beef out of the freezer for you, and I'm running up and down, and I go, oh my god. That's Jack Kehoe. There's good. There's talent in this film. He's, he's the least athletic actor yes. I could have thought of in my whole life. Yes, for that. that's why it's believable. They won't put him in the game. They've got all <laughs> yeah, these right. great real athletes playing themselves, <laughs> and then he's like, "Come on, guys, I'm in the sting in four years." And, and yeah. there's one. There's one trailer that's like all basketball highlights, and and it's pretty pretty crazy because you see the stupid shorts and you see Metal Lark Lemon throwing passes. God, I love Metal Lark Lemon. It, Metal Lark Lemon's great. And then there's one highlight of Jack Kehoe, and it's literally like. You know, like like somebody called a timeout ten seconds before he started to drive to the hoop, because everybody just sort of just moves away, and he takes this nice leisurely drive to the hoop and lays it up from about four feet under the basket, and then throws his fist in the air like he's just won the championship. It's hilarious. Yeah, there there was a there are three Oscar-nominated actors in this film. Okay. You got Stocker Channing. Or not, uh, Stockard Channing wasn't nominated yet, but Stockard Channing was nominated for this film. Yes, nominated. Margaret Avery, who's the sister who Dr. J romances with the uh, oh, yeah. with the dunk montage. She got she was in the color purple. She was nominated for the color purple. Wow. wow. And of course, the trainer, you know, with the mustache and and smoking, oh, yeah, was yeah. Michael Vigazzo, who was Frankie Pentangeli in Godfather yes. Part Two. Right. Oh, yes. of course. No idea. <laughs> I never thought that guy did anything besides that movie. No, he he, like he, he's Frankie Patangeli. Were you offended? That's the problem with the Godfathers, though. Is once you see the Godfathers, you go, these people have never done anything else. Yes, these guys are really gangsters. I mean, you barely can think of another De Niro film at well, that you, point. Yeah, yeah. You think like the Godfather Sopranos, that these people are real gangsters. Like, they got real basketball players for this movie. They're like, yeah. let's get real gangsters. Who cares if they can act or not? <laughs> yeah, That's absolutely. Good. Yeah, and they're all waiting for the reunion movie. Yeah. Like every Italian actor. No offense. To uh, no. Except for you. There's nothing for Italian actors. Do you feel we like were... in like 15, 30 years you can play like an old Italian guy who can... I can play one now. I'll play <laughs> oh, one I'll play God. one anytime. God bless. There's you. no roles. It's we're either Tony Soprano or Super Mario. There's Is nothing that... in between. <laughs> Is that why you're wearing a jumpsuit and holding a plunger? That's weird. It's Hollywood <laughs> people. You never know when to you get discovered. Myself. You know, uh, my brother brought up a good point because I watched it at his house. I'm a good house guest. There was a blackhead in this film in Shazam, which is Shaq's movie. Yes. Kazam. 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 No, no, I believe it is Shazam. I'm, 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 you want to bet? Yes. No, I don't. <laughs> no. Well, let's make it interesting. Kazam. Kazam. I say Kazam. K- Kazoo was the comic strip. Kazoo. Kazam. Shazam was Shazam was Captain Marvel. The guy, yeah. guy says Shazam. And Paul he, Sullivan well, says Kazam, right, Paul? Yeah, I might be right, but... but uh, but you know, it's a, and I think it's a testament to Shaq's acting career that there's this kind of debate over the one movie. <laughs> well, the Siskel and Ebert debate is the, the definitive one about Shazam. I, I love uh, I love all the debates. I remember uh, I, I did a movie. I, I wrote on a movie uh, called Jack Frost with Michael Keaton. Oh, so he becomes the, the uh, he becomes the snowman and comes alive. Yeah, right. Yeah. And and uh, Ebert in his review must have mentioned thirty times he could not get past the snowman. He literally said it's so ugly. That I can't review the movie. I cannot <laughs> review the movie. I can't get past the snowman. So we got a bad review based largely on the fact that he didn't kind of pay attention in the movie. He just he couldn't get past the snowman. But also, what is it? Shazam I don't want to. I don't want to. Wait, I don't want to get too far away. Bad the reception. <laughs> what <laughs> happened to Google? What? No, I got it. It's up. I want to know. You buried the lead. You wrote on 
a fucking movie about a guy <laughs> who turns into a snowman. Oh, to, yeah. To be with his kids. And this is not, and, and you're saying, why didn't I select this for today's, <laughs> yes, for today's that podcast? That's amazing. What, what, we, what can is, talk about, we can talk about Jack Frost. Right, I, can, let's get back I, do what, I can go if you need me to leave. When we're done by this film, we'll definitely talk about Jack Frost. I definitely need you to talk about Jack Frost. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I just, I wanted to say Kazam or Shazam. I said Kazam. You're right. Bastard. Nice. Yeah. These are the things I know in life. Well, there's other basketball movies too. Blue I Chips, mean, he was in. Blue Chips. Uh, Blue Jack Chips, not a bad yeah, Blue movie. Blue Chips is okay. Nicolte. Uh, of course, Hoosiers. Hoosiers is a great film. You know, Shaq was in Hoosiers. Yeah, no. Shaq was. Yeah, yeah, Shaq was a Jimmy he, Jimmy Chitwood. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a lot of makeup. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> proving once again he can actually hit the outside shot when he really. He was in to. Scary Movie Four. He's in The Wash, of course. He was in he, Steel. Freddie got fingered. And Shaq was in Freddie Got Fingered. Yeah, Come he played Freddie. No, it was a very uncomfortable it. film. He was Stop in the hurt. He's in it. I can never tell when he's lying. No, it's right here. Freddie Got Fingered. He played Shaquille. <laughs> Not himself, but Shaquille. I was. I actually shared an episode of um, of uh, Larry David's show, Curb Your Enthusiasm, with Shaq. I only did voiceover, but I was doing um, Laker Girls. I did like. I did like the fake. Uh, voiceover for the uh, for Staples Center in, in the episode where Larry accidentally trips Shaq and breaks his ankle. Wow, uh, that's good. You were also bumped a few times, and I'm sorry to say this from on the, the Larry Sanders show. You yes. were, yeah, you were constantly bumped from that. Show. Well, I had been writing uh, jokes for Gary Shandling for Larry. Yeah, yeah. F- for years, you know, just because it was fun, and, and Gary asked me to, and I always had a blast, and and uh, you know get a chance to work on any level on that show was fantastic so i would write monologue jokes and and uh and uh, gary was uh, kind enough to use some of them and and uh and so then sort of as a little bit of an extra payback it, as you know they would often start the show with the ending of the talk show mm-hmm. and so he would always say you know i'd like to thank my guest david duchovny and the lander sisters and uh, my apologies to jeff cesarean <laughs> he started this running thing we'll get to him next week and so then Judd Apaton, I decided, you know, why don't we do an episode where I get bumped like a hundred times and I finally have had it and I force Gary to put me on and that, that's how I wound up. Was that the episode where it got so packed? It was yes. like like Hank's father passed yes. away and that, and that was a great, where, where he says, are you going to bump my dead dad? Yes. That was a great episode. <laughs> and that he was... builds like the six minute eulogy that he wants yeah. to do and then they keep cutting me. Uh, Artie goes, uh, what do you open with? And I go, uh, I can't even remember. You know, the uh, the potato gag. It's one of my favorites. He goes, it's beautiful. Cut it. <laughs> <laughs> so they cut me down a minute and a half. And then uh, and I go on and do well. And then uh, uh, um, Hank does the eulogy to his dad. And 30 seconds in, he collapses in abject uh, uh, fear because he really didn't know his dad. <laughs> and so now they're short. <laughs> <laughs> They're literally stretching. Artie's giving Larry the stretch sign. You have to make more of this. <laughs> and, and, and Larry's literally like, uh, uh, Hank, you always wanted to sing, didn't you? Well, now's your chance. So, And then with the button is we wind up going to Larry's house to watch it, and we're, uh, we're, we're um, preempted by another slow-speed celebrity uh, car chase. <laughs> it's a great episode. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. fun to do. And I'm sorry you got bumped so much. The, uh, you got paid each time. Absolutely. Yeah. On a fake it, talk show. Yeah, yeah I got paid. Fake $805. <laughs> They do get paid. I mean, a lot of times comics are psyched because they're nervous anyway. I produce comics who are like, thank God. You know, like... Uh, yeah, uh, it is an interesting kind of vibe, but but I think now, like, they're, they're pre-taping so many of the comics. Well, that's what uh, Ferguson does. That. He'll do, yeah. like, five or six. And then they'll slug yeah. you in. Yeah, yeah. which is, it must be... I think it's better for the audience, for you as a comic, 
because the audience is there. They've seen a couple of comics before you. They feel right. like they're a comedy club. They're not, they didn't just watch a show where someone else is a star and the funny guy. Right. But to wait to find out when you may or may not be on TV is, must be... Yeah, that was weird because uh, I I literally just went through that and they ran it like six to seven months later. Right. And I mean, I'm I it was weird because my my wife goes, "Why did you say we have a two and a half year old?" And I said, (laughs) "Because we did it seven months ago." (laughs) It was before college. It was before Santorum, and I came out in a stupid vest, you know. (laughs) But it's always a bad idea. Don't blame (laughs) Santorum. Well, I'm going to blame Santorum on that one. I like I look I look solid in a sweater vest. I'm a very stocky young man. Is that what is a sweater vest? I, I do like the jumpsuit, though. I it think that works. That edge off. Yeah, you're going for a different look. He was in a boy band. So um, back to the movie. This movie, we're talking about astrology saves the team. This yeah. is the original Moneyball. This Fisher <laughs> saves Pittsburgh. <laughs> right? I mean, this is well. Yeah, there was more going on it's in the film than Moneyball. The original. Um, At least the team won. What was the uh, Will Ferrell? The one version. Um, basketball, basketball movie. movie. Uh, Semi pro. Oh, Semi pro. Yeah. Semi. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 you know, there were shades of that level of parody to it, you know, uh-huh. of someone coming in and saving the team. Yeah. Uh, but I thought it was a literal fish. And where was Gabe Kaplan? I watched this movie for about 20 minutes in, and I was like, No, Mike. that was a different basketball movie. Yeah. What he was heck? in a basketball movie. Fast break. Fast you, break. Is that how you watch movies, is waiting for Gabe Kaplan? Like when Usually. you're watching The Hurt Locker, we're saying, Where the hell is Gabe Kaplan? Sure, why not? <laughs> At one point. No, I turned to my brother, like, Mike, this is so that when does Gabe Kaplan come out? And he's like, You're an idiot. He is sort of a mysterious presence in a, <laughs> in a lot of things. I mean, I remember I was in Vegas working a club, and someone goes, You know, Gabe Kaplan owns this. And I went, No. He owns it? Me? Yeah, he owned a club. and. Good for him. Welcome back, Carter. I don't know. I'm guessing it was some sort of business thing because he loves to gamble. So maybe he just needed like some sort of uh, business write-off. There. Oh, I feel like maybe he, someone lost and gave him something because he's, oh. a, big, he's oh, a big poker yeah, player. Maybe yeah, maybe one. They put the deed in the. I pushed the deed in. Yes. And, and, and wow. He was in the saloon. <laughs> and even in a poker game, the guy looked and goes, "All right, you're still short. <laughs> it's just a comedy club." It depends what year. What else you got? I was thinking when I was watching this. I'm, I didn't mean to bring it back to the fish and say Pittsburgh, but uh, if you have to, there was. Uh, I was thinking one of the fascinating things about this film for me was that it was like a time capsule of 1970s black slang. Uh-huh. Like what people yeah. would say, like, you know, I ain't jiving nobody. There's a line there which is, I ain't jiving nobody. It's, you know, sucker. There's a guy named Tucker. He said, I'm no sucker, Tucker. And like, you know, and, and can you dig? And saying turkey and the low fives. It was like every bit of black no, the slang. The low five. Yeah, it's the, worth it just to see guys doing low fives. <laughs> I mean, just the, yeah. way, the lower you could get, the better. It was yeah. fantastic. They should bring that back. They're bringing back old school uniforms. They should bring back the low five. Yeah, well, these shorts were a little beyond old school. These were literally some sort of woman's brief, (laughs) is what the guys (laughs) were wearing. But you know, it's 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 developed a cult following because of the music. It's like a big disco dance party. Yeah, funk, little funk, little disco going on there. It's weird. It was a Greek chorus. This right, every song kind of said what you just saw. Yeah, yeah. And then they they come out in this giant cereal box at the halftime where they they're they're trying to extend the halftime to midnight. So suddenly they just have a band come out. It's like you know, fish that save Pittsburgh. They're just dancing and they're wearing all this disco stuff and the lights are going off. And I mean, at that point. It could be any movie. It could be <laughs> Xanadu. E- yes, right, yeah, yeah. right. It could be Twilight. It doesn't matter. <laughs> just drop that in, and people go, "All right, time to dance, man." It was just crazy. It was like this weird mashup. 
it was but it worked on some weird level. It was just fun, even though nothing happened. But there, there, were, there was a couple <laughs> points in the There were three specific points that I wrote down that really I found creepy. I'm glad you did your homework. Yeah, but I found creepy. That yeah. was like, this was this, I'm now feeling weird. One is when Dr. J is having his first scene with the kid and they're, they, they're talking, Dr. J is in like a whirlpool naked. Yeah, and talking to this kid, and he gets up and I'm literally cut away, cut away. It's like they they leave the shot on until the longest possible time before you can't see Doctor J's cock. And he's like, but he obviously the kid is there, so he stands up. This you know six foot eight guy standing yeah. up, cock and balls out in front yeah. of this little kid. That wasn't a kid. There's no one else in the scene. <laughs> but but there was <laughs> but that makes the whole driving the the the, the Rolls Royce scene make a lot more sense. But yeah. but the other the the kid James Bond the third is James walking the third, down right. the street with like hookers and pimps when yeah. he, before the first Stalker Channing scene. Well, he goes to find the psychic, and we don't know what where he's yeah. doing. All we <laughs> no. know is that there's a ten year old boy walking through the blue light district, red light yeah. district. Yeah, or the blue light. You know. Well, they Pittsburgh. claim he's fourteen in the movie. If that makes a difference, that's true. To either of your scenes. Uh, he's been bar mitzvah. This guy. <laughs> right. so I don't buy it. No, I don't. He was ten. So right, he's walking through the red light district, the shadiest, yeah. like yeah, Forty Second Street in the in the eighties, seventies, sixties, and not today. The Pittsburgh version of it. Yeah. Yes. And it's obviously a set. I mean, you could blow it and the thing's going to fall down. (laughs) It's so pasted up. Girls, girls, girls. And like, you know, the couple of pimps, a couple of hoes. And then, but when he goes up to meet Stalker Channing, even that seems a little like she comes through like the 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 sexy door. Yeah, she, she was she you know, she she was hot. She was hot and saying like, "Oh, you're pretty cute though. Why don't you come yeah. with her?" Is she gonna blow the kid? I mean, there's this weird sort of milk walk money. In the wrong well, room. Um, you know, I mean, there's many ways to pay a psychic. Uh, you know, especially when you're ten. <laughs> you know, you can read her palm. If you know what I'm saying? You know, if she goes, look, it's twenty bucks, and he digs out sixty three cents. <laughs> you know, and a baseball he goes, card. Hey, look. You ever had a young black cock? I mean, <laughs> you know, let me show you the fish it. that saves it's Pittsburgh. It's worth 19, 19 bucks. In the novelization, that scene is there. Yes, Have and, you ever seen and young much black more lurid. Yes, in much the novelization. More. The, the one other scene, a very Chandler-esque now. turn there. <laughs> the one other scene that creeped me out was the first scene involving evil Jonathan Winters. Not to be confused. So with Jonathan Winters plays good goofy guy who owns a team and his evil brother who, who in, is, inexplicably wants to sabotage the team at the but end. But doesn't really doesn't, do anything. No. There's no, because there's yeah. no conflict in this film. There's no churning point. There's right, no climax. right. So go ahead. Sorry. So he's getting a massage the first time that we see him and then he rolls over. I'm like, oh God, he's going to get a hand job or something. It's like completely <laughs> like, it, it was right after one of the creepy You know something? Doctors. That is a fantastic scene though. <laughs> I, I, I must admit that I thought to myself, you know, if, if I want to see anybody get a hand job, it's Jonathan Winters. Oh, it would be I have funny. no idea what he would do. At the end. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. yeah. What's a happy ending to Jonathan Winters, for that God's sake? That would be sake? amazing. That's got to be a 30-minute routine. Does he do an Asian guy? Yeah. Does he, what does he There's do? There's a lot of it. You're right. There's a lot of cutting away right before the penis shot yeah. in this. <laughs> Especially for what is essentially a family film. You know, so, and if, well, and, well, you know that they tried to do nine things in the movie because they got the whole pimp thing. Right. They got the whole weird sex stuff. They yeah. got the, you know, they're trying to do a sports the movie. The girls, and the girls in the stands sort of all say, hey, put it in here. Like <laughs> and here's how you know when they gave up from a marketing standpoint. Because uh-huh. somebody in a room somewhere went, you know what we got to do? We have no choice. Just do one of those uh, wacky, mad magazine animated posters. All right, please. 
Because that's the poster for this. The poster is amazing. Yeah. The poster's hilarious. Yeah. And they did a lot of those. They don't do those anymore. No. no and for were... good reason. Nobody, <laughs> nobody went to those movies. Well, well, anyway, you could be four years old and see that and go, oh, that's a shit movie. You know that's bad. They won't even put their face on there. There's a drawing. There's like, I don't even remember, like, J.C. Penney in, mag- in newspapers that were too cheap to have photographs and have drawings. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, they're close. It's like, these models are so embarrassed, they don't want their picture taken. In the and, and you'd still whack off to it. Come on. It's the <laughs> J.C. Penney catalog. There was no internet. I was a Sears. It was before the internet. I was oh, a my Sears God. guy myself. I'm sorry. Those Sears was well, the- you know, it depends what section you're in for Sears. My parents thought I was intellectual because I'm always in the newspaper. <laughs> like, wow. Oh, Did okay. this film feel like it was a short story? It was like it was Very like a short ten story. minute short story, and then they they extended it by a couple of basketball scenes and two scenes that came out of nowhere that were essentially plot, which what was, was the first scene, which is when um, um the Jane Bond the third's sister, played by the Margaret Avery. Like choose out Dr. J in a car, say like, you know, my son, my my brother needs to get out of here, and he's not, he's spending too much time with you. And Dr. J has this moment where he, he like seduces her. That whole weird seduction. It was a Jedi mind trick. And he said like, what's wrong? He, you know, he needs someone who can do more than count in in twos, is what she says. And then he, Dr. J puts on his sexy voice and. What's wrong with counting in twos? It's like, okay, <laughs> this in. is getting creepy. And then yeah. he goes out with a basketball and seduces her by but, dunking yeah. Yeah. and having this weird monologue, which is like, I had to shove this through the hole. Like this weird monologue wow. he yeah. gave Fantastic. that was like no, not subtle. It's, no, really it's, sexy. Well, scene. Like, we need a love scene. Or like Barton Fink. Is it the orphan or is it a chick? <laughs> yeah. And they're like, well, let's go both. Or yeah, Dane. Right. And they went both. So we can't have a love scene without a basketball scene because it's a basketball movie and people will turn off. Absolutely. So how do we get to make it? But no you also sense. have Dr. J there, and he's, he's not there for his acting. He's not there for his singing. Well, so now, wait a second. Hold on. <laughs> Hang on. Yeah, yeah. But he's there because Paul, his acting is yeah. name me an athlete who acts better than Dr. J. Who is a good acting athlete? Besides, uh, and, and and I don't mean an, a, an actor who's an athlete. No, no, no. Like Kevin Costner. Bruce Bruce uh, Jenner. And Bruce Jenner and can't stop the music. Oh, wait, 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 Carl, wait, <laughs> Carl. He a half turn at the end, pulls it up. Carl, Carl Weathers was in the NFL. Wow, Carl, come on, Carl Weathers was in the NFL for like a minute. I think he was. Oh, is that a minute longer than you were? Well, I'm presuming. Well, wow, you don't know. Why slam me? We're going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're yeah, trying to go after Doctor J here. Like, what uh, about Hunter? Fred. Hunter. Oh well, yeah, Fred Dyer. Fred okay, Dyer. Jim Brown. Jim Brown. All right, you I mean, know he what? Could hold his own. He could hold his own. I'll give you this. Okay. Ca- it cast correctly, yeah, yeah, as in the Dirty Dozen. Yeah. Uh, if hey, we, look, we need a guy. Let's work backwards from the scene where the guy has to run from <laughs> from the mansion and throw grenades into all the heating vents and get into the jeep while wounded. Who could do that? Well, probably Jim Brown. All right, just back time from that scene, and we'll write around Jim Brown. What about OJ? OJ, OJ was horrible. OJ was a horrible actor. And I think his trial proved that. Thank you. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. Highly indicted. You did that in your set. That, that was, that was 1996. I did that. closed with that. In 1995, you did a set, and now they're showing it. They're like, hey, how about that OJ trial? Yeah, they're showing it on Craig Ferguson, finally. <laughs> Marv Albert's in this film at the end when the team yes. gets good. Yeah, nice. Was waiting and he, he did not phone it in. He did not phone it. Marv Albert did not phone it in. Nice reference. Chick Hearn, Chick Hearn does, doesn't appear in the film. You hear his voice, but he's obviously in a room like this doing all the lines right, at right. once. But Marv Albert, boom. Isn't you know, we showed up. Marv. 
Uh, I did a show with uh, Seinfeld called The Marriage Ref, which was uh, ill-fated and uh, bizarre, but a tremendous amount of fun. But it's coming back. It is? And they never officially canceled it. They never like, officially canceled it. Maybe. Yeah, they didn't tell you either. <laughs> no, right, exactly. <laughs> this is how you find out At in this town. At the beginning of it, uh, we had such fun in the writer's room. Jerry, Tom Papa, myself, Chuck Martin. And we wrote these little things for Marv Albert to come in and do these like fake uh, prize rips, like somebody would win. And Marv Albert would literally walk out and go, and you've won a year's supply of Blue Rhino natural gas. <laughs> Blue Rhino, it's a gas. You know, and we wrote all these dumb things for him to say, and, and he was hilarious at it, but it got cut like within a week or whatever. And, but I, I actually sort of befriended Marv a little bit. And then I got my uh, email uh, hacked into. And, you know, uh, email-wide, some, some horrible thing about I'm in London and I need money. And, right. you know, I put out the fire, and fortunately, uh, my wife's on top of that, and she can do all that stuff from a computer standpoint. But I get a call on my cell phone, and I get a message, and it's literally this. Uh, Jeff, it's Marv Albert. Uh, I don't know if you are aware of this or not, but your email has been hacked. <laughs> And it was the, I saved it. It's the most incredible message of all oh, time. So it's so great. Marv telling me, um, you uh, may want to uh, look into this or have your tech people uh, check this out uh, for you. You know, it was, it's fantastic. That should be your ring. I mean, every time. Yeah, really, it should be my ring. Tell it. It was Marv just brilliant. Albert. By the way, isn't that the greatest comeback ever that Marv was able to put the whole thing that went that he was going through that, that no one cares yeah. no, no one ever no one cares so much. nobody cares what he does in his off time right yeah. well i believe it's 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 also a testament to the fact that uh athletes in comparison to society at large have gotten uh, progressively more depraved yeah i mean you know i mean there, there's guys you know up on murder raps starting for linebacker you know i mean you know <laughs> it's just crazy and so then you look back and you go and a guy like to play around with a hooker in a hotel room. He's an announcer. He's on the road 75 hours a week, you know. Let him go. I think part of it, at least from my point of view, that I totally put it behind is that there was – he was taken off of the NBA finals uh, announcing team for that whichever year that was. Right, right. And whoever they had, whoever they put in his place, I kept thinking – can we have Marv, even if he has yeah. to have an ankle bracelet, even if he has to have a federal marshal behind him, why do we have to suffer? Because yeah, Marv right. is so much better than anyone even else. Even if he had to say literally at the beginning of every quarter, I am under arena arrest. <laughs> he's in the, if he's in the striped outfit, like with a chain gang. Thing, still, still the best play-by-play guy no, ever. Gonna see Miss Liza. Gonna go to Mississippi. But he, he wasn't, it was nothing illegal. It was just, no, he was no, no. dirty. Well, he, was, he was accused of stuff that was illegal that oh. was the whole thing but, but, I, but he, I believe it was it was acquitted it was, yeah he was acquitted of that yeah, but yeah. they came he came up he was like wearing women's panties and stuff what? like that but you know what it's, i don't care if he's wearing a bra and panties no. you call the game you're marv who cares if he's Come on, i got spanks on right now let's <laughs> like, go who does it once in a while i think michael vick took a lot of the heat off of everyone <laughs> say hey we're everyone. not hey we're not killing <laughs> dogs for god's <laughs> sake <laughs> so i like a whip once in a while <laughs> I wear, a nice, I wear a decal. Yes! <laughs> What's the big deal? That is not to say I do not turn the tables on her. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just impressive. What? It's just a great thing. So the fish is saying Pittsburgh. The fish, the team, the Pisces is doing so well that people in Pittsburgh are buying fish. 
Yes. Fish sales are through the roof right. because right. they love the team called the Pisces. Boy, there's nothing better than a carp out of the Monongahela River. <laughs> that's the place you go for sushi. Yeah, that, that's going to be fresh. That's good eating. You got to know how to fillet it. That's the, uh, I do a little bit of fishing, and that's sort of the bailout. That's yeah. your standard bailout when somebody asks you about a fish and you don't like it or you don't, you just, well, you got to know how to fillet it. And then you'll get that, yeah. <laughs> and you get the good meat. I used to work in a fancy restaurant and you had to fillet it at the table. And they never Ooh. taught us how to do it because I lied and said I couldn't. Oh, God. So you put a spoon and a fork between your fingers and you kind of. Look at those meaty hands. Look at those meaty hands. I don't want those anywhere near my, my fish. My hands are like right? Marty, but meatier. And, <laughs> and I just destroyed the fish. It was like fish nuggets by the end. Yeah, I had no idea. How, yeah, I would you just get that? a good fillet knife. No and, knife. Uh, it's a restaurant. You cut the belly open, uh -huh. and then you slide it up on the... There's literally a spine to most fish, and, and you slide up under the fillet, and you cut along the um, the spine, and then you flip it back. That's essentially it, and then you take the spine. Oh, or you hack it up with a spoon and fork. If, if this kid went to Northern Michigan, he probably knows how to <laughs> probably knows how to fillet a fish for Bryce has sake. done a couple of fishing before. That's what they do in the cafeteria at Northern Michigan <laughs> University. They catch themselves. Yeah, you fillet your a own hole fish. In the floor. <laughs> and they just go shave a buck off your <laughs> off your monthly food costs. Yeah. In the dorm room, you do a little ice fishing. That's right. That that part will get cut out. So or no, I like out. the ice fishing jokes. No, I like it. I like the the stammer. I'm trying not to edit the show because it takes me forever. Don't edit. Don't edit any of this. This is all gold. It's all gold. There's a second editing, and this is a great segue. So don't judge. Um, they enter. They get so good, the Pisces, that they enter on a hot air balloon. They yeah. But if you notice, they enter through the stadium through a hot air balloon. It's backwards. They because when they're about to land, there's more fire going in there. What you would do to go up? Ah, so they, they, so they uh, reverse the shot. Yeah, they reverse the shot. Wow, they tricked us. And they wow. see people running weirdly, running back and forth, like not going right to the balloon, but almost to the balloon. So they must have had run backwards to the balloon. Well, now that would be the challenge there. Yeah, because if you're in the balloon, you can do anything the hell you want, and it's going to look fine. Yeah. But if if somebody says now there's there's a there's a an extra who said you know. I may have bitten off more than I can share. <laughs> <laughs> this background gig is not easy. Yeah. Did this you, excuse me, I'm supposed to run backwards? <laughs> yeah, and make it look believable. And action. What? I'm out. <laughs> By the I'm way, I'm a kid I, at Carnegie Mellon. I'm just trying to pick up 50 bucks a week, you douche. What <laughs> my sad card, you jackass? I, I looked up, there was one actor I looked up. I was trying, where the hell do I know this from? And the guy who's the, the, the white head coach who replaces Flip Wilson. So he's oh, kind yeah, of yeah. nervous. He's the guy in Airplane. When the, they have the wife and the, the kid who goes up to the cockpit and then the husband and wife right, are right. having coffee and he's vomiting and, and the, the, <laughs> the wife says, Jim never vomits at home. He's Jim from Airplane. <laughs> and I was sitting there going like, I know I've seen this guy in a movie that a billion times. Yeah. Was he a pilot in Star Wars? Was he, uh, was he a Nazi in Raiders? <laughs> right, right. Who the hell was he? And so I looked up his credits, and That's there he was. Big. He was from Airplane. It's like, okay, I knew that guy was in a childhood movie. And mind. how bizarre a movie is this when it took us 20 minutes before someone said, oh, yeah, Flip Wilson's in this. <laughs> yeah. Flip Wilson's in it. So Flip Wilson, yeah, he's in the film about as long as I was. I mean, <laughs> But yeah, IMDb says this is Flip Wilson's last film. Flip didn't die for another 15 years <laughs> after. So it wasn't this is like, a Heath Ledger as the Joker here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's no one's offering. <laughs> no one's calling. I'm sure he'd go. 
By the way, there's there's great billing for both Flip Wilson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who get like really high billing in the opening credits. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is basically an under five. He has no lines in the film. No, he just, yeah, he's yeah, playing yeah. on the other team. Yeah. You only know it's him. He's playing on the LA team, I believe, yeah. that comes in for the, the finals. Well, here, the Los Angeles basketball team, because they couldn't <laughs> get the rights to say the Lakers, and so they're not wearing Laker uniforms. So, yes, the LA team is here. Yeah, and it's Norm Nixon yeah, it's, and Kareem. Yeah, it's, it's obviously the Lakers. Yeah, and, right. Oh, but, that's so great. Now, would you recommend this film to people, Jeff? Yeah, sure. I mean, I would say, you know, get, um, I wouldn't go top dollar, but I would go Costco and maybe pick up, you know, a solid <laughs> bottle of Kendall Jackson, right. a couple, two, three of them, get home, pop it, you know, hope for a tornado Crackers. warning or rainstorm or something, and uh, take it on. I, th I think, seriously, if you did a night of like, uh, you know, weird, bad sports movies, like yeah. we were also talking about uh, uh, Bad News Bears 5, where there's no more Walter Matthau, it's Tony Curtis. Yeah, Tony Curtis. Who's already, like, got a, you know, a, a rug the size of a Fiat. Yeah. You know, it's just amazing. Wall-to-wall carpet. Up yeah, there. if you wanted like to so. do, like, a night of those, because they are fascinating, because there's cameos like this. I mean, they're literally almost a precursor to, to or, or a, I should say a sports version of like an airplane. Yeah. You know, where somebody goes, let's just keep throwing as many. We can't throw gags in because it's a sports movie, but let's throw people. Well, like Entourage. Yeah. <laughs> but the end of Entourage, they just had every sports star you can think of on yeah. the phone. Yeah. Turtle. And they're just like, they're just, you know, going to the floor, handing a guy a, a, a fake phone and then yeah, saying, turtle. save these lines. Yeah. Turtle was in that movie that was number one. I saw it. Think like it, a man. What'd you think? Steve Harvey laughed my head off. Really? Really? Yeah. Laughed, well, I would Harvey's say, 10 fun. solid laughs. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And the plot is ridiculous, obviously, but it's. As ridiculous as the fish that saved Pittsburgh. <laughs> Not as ridiculous as the fish that saved Pittsburgh. Okay. But it's uh, Think Like a Man. So Steve Harvey's written two books uh, Think Like a Man, Act Like a Lady, and then. Also, think, keep thinking like a man. I'm sorry the first book didn't work. I don't know how you write a sequel to a self-help book. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of insulting. <laughs> yes. Fool you once, this is called. Um, so these women can't find the right man, and then they discover Steve Harvey on Oprah, and he, an Oprah show, and he uh, tells them to buy this book, and they, all these women read the book, and they shape up these men until they realize that these women are using this book on them. They buy the book, turn the tables on the ladies. Uh -huh. And then... They, but, Things actually happen, like unlike Fish to Save Pittsburgh. Yeah. Things there, actually happen. There's some conflict. There's some there's level conflict. Of, there's a low. There's a part where all four men reach a bottom, you know, and they have to well, turn around. Well, listen to me, though. You mean to tell me that you don't buy it when Dr. J doesn't feel like they should build a team of Pisces around him? <laughs> That's not enough conflict for you? I would have gotten another take. Yeah. Oh, Jay, do you have one more in you? Like one for us. <laughs> one you can just screw yeah, around. It's, it's a guy who could literally dump from three feet north of the foul line. <laughs> and, and, you know, they're asking him to do this stuff that's literally out of his range. Yes. <laughs> Even Dr. J went, yeah, I can't do that. Yeah, 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 come on, guys. Can't give you that. I, I would recommend it if you're a basketball fan. If, I mean, I think that's it, true. If you're not, if you're a basketball fan, especially one who was a basketball fan during the '70s and '80s, and you you will recognize some of the names. If you're a basketball fan, like I, I was as, started following basketball in around 1980 or so in Boston, and I remember Dr. J. He was yeah. awesome. He was he was the man, and seeing him trying to seduce Margaret Avery. 
yeah. with his dunking and and seeing him get up with his basically exposing his his Dr. J right he's exposing his Julius Irving to uh <laughs> to this kid like, I mean, <laughs> he stands up he's standing up naked in front of a kid so the idea of watching Dr. J seducing you know Margaret Avery and showing his dick to a kid that's <laughs> yeah. that to me is worth watching, but only if you're a hockey fan, that's not going to mean anything to you. No, but if you're a bad <laughs> sports movie fan, it could. But but I do agree for, for a couple of reasons. First of all, there's so many little basketball cameos in this. Cedric I mean, Maxwell. Cedric C- Maxwell. Yeah. Cornbread. Or, or just to see the the Easter Island like countenance of Spencer Haywood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is is amazing. You're right. Yeah, he, you know. So and and Meadowlark Norm Lemon Nixon. Oh, Meadowlark Lemon plays yeah. his ass off. These guys actually play really well. And and because they don't really know how to shoot an arena <laughs> at night. It may as well be the 54 Celtics with Don <laughs> Nelson. And, you know, it, it may as well be black and white. Because and, and they're doing stuff. The one amazing thing about the basketball is you realize, oh, these guys knew how to bounce pass. Yeah. And knew how to fake and throw a pass. Yeah. And knew how to drive and dish. Yeah. You don't see that much in the NBA anymore. You know, there's a couple, you know, Chris Paul does it, you know. Uh, you know, there's a couple of guards who are still really point guard, but I mean, you really see team basketball at at at, at its best, even though it's choreographed. Yeah, but they're still a, fun to watch. It had that kind of globetrotters quality. That's why I wish they they better Lark was able to do some of the stuff, right, even though he's right. no longer in his youth. But he was he was still had that capability to do that kind of pass stuff and doing it with Dr. J, who was the yeah. Before Michael Jordan, he was the dunk guy. So when he yeah. does all the dunks and the whirly bird dunk and everything, and he may still be the dunk guy. I mean, if you look at some of the highlights, especially from the ABA, of, oh yeah, of Dr. J, it's stunning. I mean, there's there isn't anybody really who, who on a consistent level, comes as close uh, comes close to Dr. Well, he also J. was the done. first. I mean, he was the guy who, who sort of like, you know, he had that that quality. I mean, I'm, I, he was we, the we've officially basketball. We have officially bored the shit out of Adam at this point <laughs> as we turn this into WFAN. Sully <laughs> right. from Brooklyn, you're on the air. Yeah, I think the Yankees knew our pitching. I don't know what you need there. No, I, want I you don't guys like to, the third line I of the Islanders. I know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> third line. <laughs> third line. I have no idea what you're talking about. You guys are talking Chinese. Um, but yes. I mean, Doctor uh, Doctor J's J was probably hanging out. That's how short the shorts were. Right? <laughs> Come on, it was so great. Yeah, it went to the left. That's one thing I do know. He dresses about to the left. Yeah. <laughs> Your stylist will tell you. So yes, I uh, recommend it too. You can find it on the YouTube's trivia. It says according to IMDb, Cher was supposed to play the psychic. Yeah. But it had last minute conflicts. Which was she read the script. Yeah. <laughs> she realized it was the fish that saves Pittsburgh. Yeah, well, I'm in a film called Fish that Saves. That's a she said, Look, I can't appear I can't appear on the poster. I am a cartoon. How are you <laughs> yeah. gonna do that? I look like the drawing. And then Chevy Chase was attached, but left before it started. I'm sure that was some kind of crazy wow, he was so popular. When who could he have played? The coach. The white nervous coach. I mean, it would have been really funny. So yeah. we we yeah. can't get Chevy Chase, so let's get the guy from Airplane who drank coffee. Yeah. <laughs> well, this movie has made no sense. I mean. uh, speaking, of, speaking of that, and Larry Sanders, I mean, I, I, mean, I remember, the, uh, you know, Gary it was such a personal show. Uh, Gary and, and such great writers, Peter Tolan and Judd Apatow, and so many great guys, John Beatty and John Regie, you know, would come up with these incredible storylines, and they'd be set to go, and we'd be doing them. It'd, it'd literally be, I was the rookie on the show watching this process, going, yeah, this is amazing. And Monday they would go, let's get De Niro. And by Friday it would be, get me Bruno Kirby. 
<laughs> you know, and Bruno Kirby would come in and kill it, the late, great Bruno Kirby. And, yeah. you, you know, booking anything is brutal. Oh, oh yeah. Well, that happened the, the pilot we just worked on. I walk in, and yeah. you guys, the writers have on the wall uh, Betty White. I was like, yeah. good luck. Oh. And then like, <laughs> right. the end of the week, it's like, the, that card is off the wall. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> and they're, really? <laughs> Betty White's not available? To they're do a digging up B. Arthur pilot? at Can't this see point. Betty White, right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Rue McClanahan, let's go. Come on. Clear. Clear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's definitely worth it. This is ProudlyResents.com. On June 4th in New York, I'll be at giving a talk at the blog, blog world. <laughs> You're giving a talk. Blog world. Blog world and, and wow. podcasting. There's different uh, things you can go in here. I'll be doing stand-ups and podcasting. So, Sweet. Nice. And then we'll have information on how you can buy tickets through the show so I can get a kickback. And Good for you. And what does that pay? <laughs> I'm losing money so buy the tickets through us and then we're going to do a comedy Liam uh, McEnany and I are producing a comedy show in New York on June 4th so come out for that nice come, <laughs> come for the comedy stay for the passive aggressive tension yeah we just <laughs> Liam and I uh, just patched up our differences after oh. three or four years of uh, well look if, if you can't have a good Donnybrook with a guy named Liam yeah. what are you living for and he's a Jew with an Irish really like yeah with a, his name is Liam McEnany he's, he's a Jew wow Talk about the Lost Tribe. <laughs> well, let's talk about Jack Frost. <laughs> Please. Please. Now, there's another movie called Jack Frost. It's a horror film. Horror film, right. And, and that, that is actually really ridiculous. Yeah. And That's it, really ridiculous. That is. <laughs> Ours is only ridiculous. No, but the suit in that, it's a kill. That one's a killer snowman. Yeah. And they just, they didn't give a shit. Did that come no. out before, did that come out before I your Jack just Frost? before. I think it was yeah. literally released the same general season. Were they yeah. trying to ride your coattails? Um, uh, well, I, I would hesitate to say we were wearing a dinner jacket. <laughs> <laughs> Good night. Hello. And that was a show. Uh, um, but first of all, all right, so tell Michael Keaton uh, plays a dad. Well, who I, dies. I came on literally because I called Troy Miller, who was directing it, and I'd done some other work with Troy. Say, what's going on? And he said, look, I'm having a round table to punch up this script that's going in a month. They're building the sets, the locations wow. are done. and so he handed me the script, and I hadn't really done any movie writing at the time. And I, the script, to me, uh, and still the plot, is about a musician played by Michael Keaton, a regional star, Colorado rocker who, you know, is content now. He's got his family there, and he's, he's uh, you know, late 30s, early 40s. He's content. Early and then 40s. he gets early a shot. 40s. He got, gets a shot to go to Los Angeles and be like a big star with a record label and all of that stuff. And he's contemplating whether to take it or not. He decides to take it on his way to the airport, literally, as second thoughts, because it's Christmas. So he's going to turn around to hell with it. He's going to spend uh, the holidays with his family. On the way back, gets to the car accident, dies. Comes Alert. back as a snowman. Like to, you do. To, to, yeah, to patch mm -hmm. up his relationship with his, uh, with his son. So having been a musician myself, the whole first act is kind of all of that setup. And it wasn't reading... Uh, it didn't ring true for Troy, and he said, you know, let's see if we can, let's focus on it. So I, like, rewrote the whole first act over, over the weekend. He read that, canceled the roundtable, said, I'm hiring you to punch this up. Great. I got to know Michael Keaton really well uh, uh, from it, uh, and, um, and I'd always been a fan of Michael's because he started as a stand-up. Really funny stuff. Yeah, when I was at the comedy store, when I first fell off the turnip truck and got to town, yeah. he would, I literally saw him one night start his act on stage at the comedy store with a snippet of conversation he heard on the way up to the stage. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm like, whatever. Oh, this is unbelievable. How did you do that? 
So it was a real thrill for me to meet Michael and work with Michael. And then I started to do more and more on the film and wound up sharing screen credit on it. But talk about, uh, you know, uh, a little bit under budget. I mean, I had <laughs> we been able to do more CGI stuff. I think the snowman in two scenes looks fun mm -hmm. because it's CGI. But, you know, they had a, yeah. that budget got eaten up on those two scenes. So the rest of the movie was um, a Henson puppet, a, a, which occasionally a small human would be in functioning and, okay, and most of the time was run by remote control. Wow. And the puppet guys would always say, this, this puppet can do anything you need. Just let us know. Give us time to practice. And this puppet can do anything you need. And Troy had put me in charge of the puppet. So I would go and go, okay. Sorry, need so, I'm sorry. When you say put you in charge, I don't mean to back you up there. When put you in charge, do you mean write stuff for no, it? No, no. It would be like, okay, oh, we're coming up on a scene in which the puppet has to do this, this, oh, and okay, this. Go okay. make sure he can do this. Okay. So I would go and go, okay. You're a puppet can, wrangler. Yes. <laughs> can the puppet's uh, twig hand salute? Well, no, that he can't. But we can do pretty much everything. <laughs> Anything you want. Yeah. Anything but salute. So, okay, can he back up and kind of, no, well, that, come on, we didn't expect that. No, we can't do that. You know, so, he can't, so about after two days of this, I get pissed off. And, uh, and, and for whatever reason, for some reason, and I'm sure it had to do with shooting angles and things like that, the, uh, the guys who were great guys, the guys from Henson who were running the puppet, had to be like 100 yards away. So then it got to a point, like three days in, now that we realize this thing has zero mobility. <laughs> so it, does its face move at all? Or is it yeah, like, and is it it like really, something from Kmart? Yeah. In a really disconcerting way. Yeah, it's not <laughs> a fun family face. No, no, it's like a cheek pops out. It's like somebody ate bad shrimp. It's like, bang, <laughs> a cheek just pops out. You know, you don't know what's going on. It looks like a hitman in so, so then I started to stop going, take the 100-yard walk, and I would just shout, and Troy would go to me, okay, we're coming up on this scene, and I'd go, all right, guys, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm can the dummy move sideways? And they would go, and you would hear this faint thing from way back, it's not a dummy, it's a puppet. <laughs> they would get really <laughs> insulted if you called it a dummy. So I, I just continued to call it a dummy sure. for the rest of the shoot, because I'd add it up to uh, my, my immovable twig arm uh, <laughs> that, the, that the dummy couldn't do anything. So, so that was a lot of fun. But we did have a lot of fun on the shoot, and it being my first script writing experience, uh, and Troy gives me this job, I'm like, oh, this is going to be cool, I'm going to be on set, and you know, we were already going up to Tahoe to shoot the exteriors, and down to Long Beach to shoot the interiors, I'm like, wow, I'm writing a movie, you know, and this will be so cool, and, and uh, I walk into Troy's office the first day after I'm hired, and there's a little ugly snowman about seven inches tall on the table. And I go, having not seen anything except the script at that point, I go, that's hilarious. And he goes, what? And I go, that, that freaking ugly looking snow, that's hilarious. That's some prototype joke somebody sent you. And he goes, no, that's our, that's the model for our snowman. <laughs> and I go, and fortunately it was Troy, whom I'd known for 20 years at the time, or else I'm sure I would have been off the project instantly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, and I couldn't believe I'd stuck my foot in my mouth. That I, just, like, I literally had stuck both feet in my mouth and had to roll out of the office. It was so embarrassing. <laughs> And also, that turned out when, to be the... It uh, looks good on you, though. <laughs> yeah. no, <but> you just, <laughs> let me finish. <laughs> That's a great joke. But I had a blast on that movie. And there are, there are, some, there are elements of that movie that, that really work. And I'll tell you this. Uh, I worked uh, uh, clubs. I still do stand-up. And I had a woman come up to me once and say, you know, that movie got my little son through the death of his father. 
And I just went, holy crap, I don't care how, how, you know, how much crap I had to eat from yeah. the studio going, all right, I'll try to think of a catch slogan. You know, to have somebody tell you that, you go, holy smokes, all right, there must have been enough in that. Yeah. And Keaton's great. He's always great. He's always great. And that kid Kelly needs a better Preston therapist. Is great. His yeah. terrible mother. I'm sorry about the father dying, but he's got an awful mother. <laughs> he should go to our house and do a grief therapy or something, but... This really, Ma? You're, that was really. Now, was, take the kid away. Was, was Michael Keaton on set, like when yeah. they were shooting the the with the dummy? Yeah, absolutely. He had scenes with the dummy. Yeah. <laughs> what were some of the notes that you guys got from the studio? Like you said, they wanted slogans. You know, yeah, I had one form that we almost used, which is "Snow Dad is better than No Dad." Which, <laughs> no, that was a tagline. Almost. Yeah, that's a better title. <laughs> yeah, which, which, uh, and they they came very close to using it, but uh, you know, I, I I don't know what the process is once. It Were there toys in the involved? In Were they thinking about merchandising this? The you know, I toys? don't, I don't know. I don't think. You know, I know they had some merchandise. I believe they had uh, some some winter snow related stuff. Um, uh, you know, very few uh, studio notes that I that I remember. All I remember is. What I do remember, especially for a first time you're on a movie, was, uh, you know, they'd come in and go, this scene doesn't work at all. And I would go, well, you know, maybe we don't need that person and we could restructure this. And they go, no, no, no. We have to shoot it in the diner because we built the diner and we have to shoot it with these four people because they're going to be there that day. So just rewrite the scene. And you go, well, uh, what? <laughs> you know, so it's, yeah. it's like, hey, it would make more sense if it was actually on the ski slope. Yeah, we can't do that. Shoot it in the diner. <laughs> <laughs> so there were all these incredible constraints because the movie, the, the, that train had left the station and uh -huh. was doing 130 miles an hour already. So it was a great uh, experience for me as a writer because it was like, okay, how do you reshape this and maybe give the kid a little more depth or try to create a little arc in the characters or some conflict, like you're saying, uh -huh. so it doesn't just read like a kind of a by-the-numbers sports uh, or by-the-numbers... Uh, by by the number of the movie. <laughs> There's a snowman movie. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many. <laughs> yeah, you're by-the-numbers dead snowman movie. <laughs> and was there a talk of sequel while you were making it? Were they like, we can make this into a franchise? Was it just like... No, I don't think anybody quite knew what was going to, you know happened from it and it was literally and I mean literally based on the the uh, uh, Frosty the Snowman right. song so you know very loosely so yeah. so you know so it, it I, I don't think they were quite I don't think they quite knew what they had if they had anything right. uh, but you know it made its money back and then it, and then it made money in syndication and, and resale and profit sure. and all of that kind of stuff and foreign well, it also it's based sound. on it's based on Frosty the same way Oh Brother We're Out There was based on Homer you know it's kind of like kind of <laughs> right. loosely it's well, loosely yes. based on it it's Very such loosely. a Hollywood thing though because in every Hollywood movie and I think maybe I think Adam Felber brought this up that Studio executives don't see their kids enough, so they make up for it by making movies about fathers who should see their kids more. Yeah. And so, like, take Frosty the Snowman. Can we put father issues in this movie? Yes, like, absolutely. Just say you know. If it came out now, Moses, the lead, Dr. J, maybe would have a kid. Well, wh a where, was, where was the kid's father in that film? And the kids in the Fish that Say Pittsburgh, there, there was no mother or father. No. The sister well, was Well, he was struggle. a pimp, wasn't he? Kid. The kid. Yeah, he's 14. I think Jonathan yeah. Winters was the father. So. The, the father figure. He played a third character. He's still with us, right? He's still here. He's living yeah. in uh, Santa Barbara. I can give you guys That's where Dennis Miller now lives up in. That's right. Yeah. Oh, so when you go and you go visit Dennis Miller when you do your Republican oh, sure. rallies. Hey, Jeff. 
Hey, yeah, great. Well, look at you. Know, the fish the same. We broke Dennis's act down once. Dennis and I. To, He's uh, from Pittsburgh too. Yes, he is. Uh, to uh, what am I? No, indignance. What am I? Reference. That's awesome. That's <laughs> indignant. What am I? Reference. So it was like, these fucking people on the sidewalk, walking at minus three miles an hour. What am I, a fucking Sherpa guide? I got to get out a python and a rope and go around them? You know, and literally, like, you could write for Dennis just using that mouth. That's kind of like you could create, like, a, it's like a Rosetta Stone. Like, yeah. you, too, can write material for Dennis yes. Miller, Conan O'Brien. So, like, you break it down like that. It's just this simple. We'll have that. It, Dennis, Dennis Miller Mad Libs. We'll put that on the website. <laughs> I worked on a Dennis Miller show as a as a writer. It was a it was a we only were on for eight episodes on Versus. We did a sports oh, show. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a writer producer for that, and I got to write monologue jokes for him as well. And it was actually it's funny you say because actually, how would he say this? Well, yeah, he would start it up like this, then 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 throw in a reference to the Godfather. Boom, and then he would <laughs> right. be like, yeah, yeah, that's right, Fredo, yeah. So, but yeah, yeah that's. Uh, I'd have to reference Koyana Squatsi. Yeah. <laughs> But he, he would just, we, we what were What am I, out. Bertolt Brecht? <laughs> and he loved getting to a point where he even had to say, which he put in his act on a regular basis, stop me before I sub-reference again. It's <laughs> one of my favorite uh, lines. But uh, he's a great guy. I had a blast writing for him. Yeah. I mean, because he recognizes a great joke. You don't, you don't actually have to write a Dennis Miller joke for Dennis. You just write a joke. Uh -huh. and, and, and maybe the easiest writer's room I was ever in from in terms of writing jokes, just because he just wrote jokes, and he would rephrase it, twist it, and he wrote himself. So, yeah. so you know, it was just a great room. You worked with team. Eddie Feldman. Yes. Yeah. Eddie was my favorite boss I've ever had. He yeah. Completely. Very easy. No BS at all. Just like right. you know, I get this done. Okay. That's, <laughs> yeah. It's a very, very reserved guy. A very it's great like guy. Who was a wrote on the Oscars, right, Jeff, with Mason Steinberg? Yes. Show, one of our lowest rated shows. So I don't know why I'm bringing up uh, the Oscars, but what was that like <laughs> writing for the Billy Crystal? This Oscars? was what was your lowest rated show? Mason Steinberg. People are clamoring for the Mason Steinberg <laughs> interview, which is pretty much. Wait, what are I you did. saying the ones that I were on were higher rated? Much. Yes. Wow. Impressive. Uh, Sully did Glimmer Man, which is a very funny episode. We'll put that on the website, too. But uh, that is a great episode. Go ahead. So what was that like writing you wrote for the hey, Oscars? I for love Billy Mason. Christmas? He's fantastic. He's... I'm not a fan. You're not a fan of Mason? No? <laughs> no, no, I love him. <laughs> no, no. Hey, listen to the episode if you listen to the show, because you probably haven't. You probably skipped it over <laughs> if you're a fan of the show. Um, so, yeah, it was great. It was great. And talk about low maintenance. Billy was fantastic. He'd just come in a room. He's writing every time. Uh, pitching, spitball, and it was great. It was, it was really a fun room. And the greatest thing is, in a sense, similar to Dennis, they, you know, Billy knows his voice so well, he doesn't have to waste a lot of time. You know, he's not on the fence about a lot of stuff. It's not like, hmm, I wonder if we tried to rework that, or maybe I'll try it nine times in conversation and see. Billy just like, you know, you kind of see him mullet his eyes go up about you know 30 degrees then that's it the next week it's either in what he's thinking about to do for the monologue or it's not yeah. you know and I, and I love that it's very decisive very clear on what his what his voice is it's funny when I, I worked on a couple of shows with, I'm not going to mention the other ones that because it makes sound like I'm bad mouthing them but some sometimes you work with people who are like tinkering with a joke or everything yeah. and when I worked on the Miller program I said it was kind of like a Roman emperor because it was either thumbs up or thumbs down he never reworked or it was kind of like you'd see you'd yeah. do a joke I like that he didn't like the joke it was out it was literally it was completely that cut and dry it was like did it did, was right, there right, right. and instinctively make me laugh 
Yes. Okay, boom, I'm going to use it. If it didn't, then we're not going to use it. That's really true. That's really sort of a gut-level response that those guys have. And I love they, that. That's they, yeah, they know instantaneously if it's going to work for them or not, and I love that. Yeah, it's great. Hey, guys, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah. Thanks for coming to the actor Studio. We're here with uh, Jeff Cesario. Uh, Motherfucker. Thank you. Oh. Yo, whoa, whoa. Is that no. my favorite word? I Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> by the way, he's a terrible actor. That's Yeah, he's always awful. <laughs> and here he is. He's on the he's the host of the actor studio. Should be better. Jeff Cesario, very funny stand-up. You can see him everywhere. Hopefully you'll see him on the Naked Truth. And um, thanks for coming on. And uh, thanks. Paul Sullivan, uh Sullybaseball.com, and he wrote for Bonnie Hunt. But no, Bonnie was a pleasure to work with. <laughs> Bonnie was I love you, Bonnie. You're a pleasure to work I'm with. I love you to have him on my podcast. Which is called uh, Sully Baseball. Sully Baseball Show. Sprawlers and Sprawlersends.com. Check out our website and I'll see you guys in New York. Thanks. Adam, that, we're, we're out of time for this interview. <laughs>